0: Welcome to The Journey of a Singer with me, your host, Nick Pritchard. This is the podcast where we dive into the fascinating and unique journeys of those individuals within the creative industry. Today's podcast is with TV personality and love coach Nadia Essex. Nadia was one of the founding dating coaches on E4's hit television show Celebs Go Dating With her sharp wit, intuition and uncanny knack for telling it like it is, Nadia has established herself as one of the leading figures in the realm of dating and relationships. Beyond television, Nadia is a successful columnist, podcaster, public speaker and social media influencer utilizing her platforms to promote body positivity and mental health awareness. In the podcast, Nadia sheds light on her controversial exit from Celebs Go Dating, and she shares with us the real reasons why she left the show and how she overcame the struggles of her darkest moments. Nadia offers tangible advice to anyone going through a difficult time, and she also gifted me advice on my own love life as we discussed dating in the modern-day society. So sit back and enjoy The Journey of a Singer... With today's guest, Nadia Essex. Mm-hmm. Nadia Essex, welcome to the podcast. Lovely to have you. Thank Lovely you. Lovely to see you. Thank you. We met back in a couple of months ago, wasn't it now? Yeah. At the January. January.
1: I know because I was doing Dry January.
0: Yes, I remember because we were both <laughs> on the mocktails, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was like a mixer event and uh, quiz partners, weren't we? We were. Yeah, we did pretty well. Got some, got some free credits.
1: Did we come third?
0: We came third in that quiz. And
1: there was like two of us.
0: And there was yeah. We were a team of two. Two and a half. Two and a half a lady left halfway in. And um we got on really well. I felt like we had a nice connection. You were so easy to talk to, so nice to chat to. Thanks. And um then you were like, Oh, I'm doing this podcast and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm also doing a bit of podcasting. And here we are now, yeah. in the podcast studio, which is also the same studios that you're part of and the same Yeah. Same membership that we have here at the studios. So um, No, it's great. It's great to have you on. Great to have you in the building.
1: Yeah, I know. No, well, thank you. I mean, I really appreciate it. It's nice to do a podcast, but it's nice to be on podcasts Mm. as well. I find that whole experience is, it's a lot more relaxing.
0: You've been on a few, right? Because I, I listened, it was really funny. I listened to one of the podcasts you were on and then I forgot that I was, I was listening to it. I plugged my phone into the car, started the car. And when I start my car, the radio automatically comes on. Okay. So the, the the car comes on and it's like, you're having an interview with someone. I was like... Oh my god, Nadia's on like Radio 1. <laughs> and I, it was like the day after <laughs> we were chatting about the podcast, but it turned out that the podcast had just started playing oh, randomly. Damn. Um one, yeah, day. Yeah, one day. One I'll day. Be on Radio Have you, one. you been on Radio
1: 1 before?
0: No. Any interviews? Like
1: no, that? I don't think I'm cool enough. Really? Yeah, Radio 1's so cool. I'm They've not got, cool.
0: I feel like it's quite edgy, isn't it? They get yes. some quite edgy characters on there.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not no they I don't think they they'd take one look at me and be like, "No,
0: <laughs> but you've done a lot of i mean you've done the i t v stuff as mm. well, so you've but you're well used to being in front of the camera and yeah, I love it on screen,
1: yeah, I do, I really enjoy it i like I love the creation process of it, and it's not just about people are you're you know showing off it's not that it's actually." On on live TV, it's a bit different. But when you're doing a television show, you're creating something. You're part of something. You're part of like a team, and everybody's there together to like create magic, hopefully. Um, and I really enjoyed being part of like that team.
0: Mm. Yeah, and there's like an element of, like I say, magic to it because we were chatting just before about how there are eight stages of it where it's a little bit um, fabricated and that mm. kind of thing, but. I guess what people don't get is that's for the audience. Like we're trying to make it as enjoyable and exciting for you to watch as possible. And if that means including the best bits and taking out some bits and that's, that's the way it is. Like
1: Yeah. And people go mad. I mean, I see every year the clickbait on say Love Island and there'll be, they made us record that scene more than once. And you know, and it's like, yeah, probably because there was like a sound issue You know, people wear mics, sometimes there's sound issues. We had to record the same scene more than once in Celebsca Dating because something happened, an aeroplane would go past, someone would drop something. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. things have to be re-recorded. And yeah, you lose the element of reality, but reality TV isn't real. Yeah. Like, if people don't know that now, after years and years, then I I can't help you. Like, it's... It it depicts reality, but it's not it's not like CCTV camera footage. It's not like when we used to watch Big Brother back in the day and then the, the, like the live stream. It's not that. Yeah. It's produced. It's edited. It's it's recorded. People have been nudged in certain directions. Like on Love Island, there are producers that are in the building all the same all, all the time, walking around. They've got like the voice of God that's constantly like, "Go over here. Come here. Do this. Do that." Like it's so far removed from reality. Mm-hmm.
0: And people are starting to cut on, on to that, aren't they? Like, I think maybe five years ago there was still that idea of, oh, it's exactly how it is. But I think now with social media, people get it. They realise that it is a production yeah, and it's a fine line of, and they started to realise it with the things like, firstly you had things like Coronation Street where you're like, yeah. well, that's obviously acting. yeah, And then later down the line you had um, things like Made in Chelsea where I think people were kind of like, that's a bit of both. We haven't seen yeah. that before. yeah, And then, like you said, Big Brother where they th- it is live yeah. and you're seeing everything and anything.
1: Yeah.
0: And now we're at a stage where it's a mix of production with real people. Yeah trying to get the best out of the show that they want.
1: Yeah, and uh, and I think people get so angry when they're like, they feel like they've been duped. Mm. Like, oh, they that is scripted. And it's like, even if it is, it, like you say, everybody's there to try and make good telly. You are there to be entertained. You're not, no one's selling you anything. So you're not being duped. Mm. You know, it's like Love Island, like the adverts obviously are, but no one's trying to sell, you're not being scammed. If, it, if things are produced or re-recorded or tweaked or people are encouraged to pair up with this person or go on a date with that person. It really is for entertainment value. And Mm -hmm. even in the beginning of TOWIE, I mean, Denise Van Alten must have said thousands of times, you know, some scenes are created for your entertainment. (laughs) She says it. It's right there, like before the thing even starts. So I think don't be angry when you find out things aren't as real as you think they are. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the fact that it's just... It's, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Well, hopefully it is.
0: Well, it's certainly... I mean, it definitely... That's a good word to use, guilty pleasure, because I feel like that's how a lot of people see it. Mm. There's loads of people that watch these things, and the first thing they say is, oh, yeah, my guilty pleasure. Mm. I love watching, like, Love Island or something. Um, and and people love it, especially in the UK. Like, Brits love reality TV. Yeah. It goes down a storm. Yeah. Um, they're, they're obsessed.
1: But we're becoming, like you said, we're becoming wise to it, which is why... I would be surprised. I mean Love Island is definitely ITV's like mm. money maker. But I'd be surprised if it lasts that much longer. It's yeah. it's dwindling very as quickly as it blew up. It's it's fizzling out, but I think that's because the invention of TikTok, if I'm honest, um because I think that TikTok has just changed the way people consume information. Um Instagram is very curated, it's very pretty, it's very filtered. TikTok's raw, real. N- you know, you've got the transitions, but it's it's very little editing in terms of the the prettier you are and the more curated you are, the worse you'll do on TikTok. The really you are, I mean I I remember the one of my first ever watching scrolling live streams on TikTok. Was two Scottish ladies. I found myself on Scottish TikTok, which is a thing. <laughs> yeah. and there were two Scottish ladies, and they were arguing with each other, and one of them had no teeth. Oh my goodness! And one of them called the police, and said, "If you don't get to blah blah's house, I'm going around there, and I'm gonna do something bad."
0: And that was live.
1: Hundred percent. That was wild. And she called, and the police woman on the phone went. Okay, okay, Hen. We'll we'll make a note, <laughs> and then she hung up the phone. That was it, and I was like, "This is, that's my guilty pleasure." Like, and
0: that's real, real. That's like real life,
1: real life. Mm. Literally, she called nine 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 on herself. That is wild. And the police, obviously in Scotland, are, are, must be much more.
0: Oh yes, chilled I mean, about it because
1: be. literally she was like, "Okay, <laughs> thanks, bye." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs>
0: and it, it has changed what, how people consume things as well. Because yeah. um,
1: it's so real, it's so yeah. instant. And I do worry now, it's like my attention span is definitely gone from... Mm. Somebody said Kylie Minogue released one of her songs like 20 years ago today. And it had like a 23 second or 27 second intro. You would never, mm-hmm. ever get away with that today. Yeah. I mean three seconds even on like Netflix if they've got like a actual opening credits I'm like skip
0: it's crazy isn't it like we we genuinely have as a population just declined our attention span and are really looking for but then there's also an argument of like it depends like you go to TikTok Mm -hmm. because you want that quick thing but then you go to the Odeon for example because you want to sit for an hour and a half two hours to watch a movie yeah So there's still a market for long-form content. Yeah. Well, YouTube's still massive. YouTube is huge, yeah. It's
1: still... Yeah. It might have lost a little bit of its shine, perhaps, but it's still... Yeah. People go on YouTube and consume lots and lots of content on YouTube, Mm long-form videos. So there's definitely a market for it. But I think in terms of the instantness of it, I think... I don't think that's a... I think that was inevitable, I think if you look at places like Japan and like China, they're way advanced. Everything, in their technology is just, whew, apparently I haven't been, but just leaps and bounds ahead of us. And everything is at the touch of a button at your fingertips and very accessible. And so I feel like we're just kind of catching up. Like that's just naturally Yeah. when technology comes. Do you think that's a good thing? For Western people, probably not. Mm. Because we're very different. I think in other cultures, you have the stability of family and community. Like there's such a big community in Asian cultures. like It's family. And they eat together and they, you know, they take time to be together. In Western world, everything's very solitary. Mm. You know, we're, just building, we're not building houses. We're building flats. High-rise buildings where you're in a building with 700 other people, but you don't know your neighbor's name. Like it's, it's we're moving, it I get goosebumps because I just get really like, we're moving into this really isolated period where I think Westerners are being more and more sold the dream of isolation. You know, you can own your own property and it's amazing, but it's like, it's you in this tiny flat and yeah, you may own it, but you don't really own it because the bank owns it. And I feel like bringing back to like family and...
0: What it is to community. Be as human as well right?
1: yeah i don't think humans are supposed to be solitary mm. figures i believe that if you look at the tribes in africa they're tribal and from the dawn of man we're not solitary species we're we're group community and, and we're c- losing that
0: certainly mindset. in japan they have a real culture of respecting and looking after the older... the older you are the more respect you get whereas in this country it's like
1: the shift river. them off
0: to the the uh, yeah. homes.
1: And I saw, funny enough, on TikTok yesterday, talking about that, a, a guy from Italy.
0: Saw the same video. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. 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 I was literally thinking of the same video. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: he was like, you you put your old people in homes. He was like, we would never do that in Italy. Yeah. We we look after our family till the end. Yeah. You know, our family look after us and we come together and then we, we look after them. Like, it's so normal. And he, the way he worded it is much more much better than I could I'm putting it now but it was it really hit home of like wow I'm
0: and the, and those people they actually live longer as well and a lot of that's to do with the social element
1: 100% the mediterranean diet's the best in the world to yeah. say and the social element of you know you sit you eat slowly you have family and he he said in the video didn't he he's like we've all everybody's got somebody yeah that they can turn to if they're feeling yeah. sad they've got friends they've got family they've got community And I'm like, God, we, I don't know how other people feel, but I feel like, certainly in Britain, we definitely don't have that. Like, in London, certainly, it feels very, like, if you said hi to the person on the tube, they'd probably stab you.
0: Mm. London is another level as well. Like, you go out to the country, it can get a bit nicer. Further north you go, people tend to get a bit nicer. But London is another level. Mm. I was chatting to a guy, um, so I spent a little bit of time in Switzerland, Mm. and I was chatting to a guy a couple days ago. He's from Switzerland and they've got so much money out there. Like they everyone knows someone that is just a bunch of money. And I was just chatting to him and I was like um so you know what what was have you ever had a job? That was the first thing I was thinking. Of. I was thinking do your parents just pay everything? Yeah. Which in this country if you're wealthy, a lot of kids their parents will pay for a lot of things. Yeah. So I said to him, you know, what have you what have you done? He's he's only young, like 21, 22. And um he was talking about how they have a national service where it's like a year's service you have to do. Wow. Kind of like in um other countries where you got to join the military for a year. Theirs is more a service. So he would coming from a brilliant background, he would have to he go to old people's homes for a whole year and like doing everything, like cleaning the wheelchairs, looking after people, organizing games, like they have a real community out there of everyone is it doesn't matter what your job is. And when I was out there, it's like you've got these really intelligent people driving taxis over here. It's it's like if you work at a supermarket or you're doing these kind of jobs, then it must mean a certain thing over there. Every job is valued and respected.
1: Yeah, we almost equally. Weird,
0: it's like a hierarchy weird thing, isn't it? Relationship in England, yeah.
1: with working. Like if you, it's so strange. I mean, you you just have to go on again social media to look at people how they devalue. Um, people that make their money from Instagram, people that make their money from sex work, people that make their money from any traditional, non-traditional thing. But then you work in a supermarket, and it's like, ha, huh, look at them, or they're failing at something. And it's like, mm. if you if you bring home a wage and you pay your taxes, that's a job. It doesn't matter how you make that money. And I hate the whole like, oh, get a real job. Mm. I hate that mentality because every job is a real job.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, each job is pretty interlinked as well, actually. Like, it, we, the people that say get a real job, I find generally are more in the corporate world. Mm. And mm-hmm. I've got loads of mates in the corporate world. I have nothing against the corporate world, I love it. But yeah.
1: We need it. We need
0: it. But <laughs> what are they doing on a Friday night? They're going to the entertainment sector. Exactly. Everyone needs each other. Exactly. And e- each job is part of this ecosystem yeah. and helps each other. To to work,
1: and I think you know we, we people say that climate crisis is like the biggest threat to humanity at the moment, and I disagree. I think that Elon Musk is right when he says it's um, population decline because we're just not having enough children to support when we're old. Who's going to look after us when we're old? Because yeah. there isn't going to be enough people to come in and do the jobs. If you think how many thousands of jobs that are necessary, yeah. there just isn't going to be enough young people. When we all retire, there isn't going to be enough people to fill all the jobs that are necessary. But then people are moaning about everything being like dig- digitalized and like robotized and self-service checkout and like driverless cars and be, oh, people are going mad. And it's like, well, we we're going to have to do something because in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there isn't gonna be enough actual humans to do enough to keep our country moving.
0: People are living longer as well. Much longer. Have you used ChatGPT? Yes. I I typed into it the other day. (laughs) I was like, top 10 jobs that are basically gonna be in higher demand in the next Mm. five years. And the first one on there was um, care workers for aging population. So it's a a real thing. It's gonna be, we're getting to the point now where we're rapidly extending our lifespan. If you go back to even like 50 years ago, it was normal for people to be passing away at 60, 65, normal.
1: And they were old. Yeah, like considered, considered old. Them, yeah, but you look at them and I don't know why they just... If you look at... Remember the Golden Girls? Mm-hmm. They were like old. And they're now the same age as the Sex and the City Girls. Mm-hmm. There's like...
0: It's a different it's a different lifetime. Yeah. And, and we are to the point now where god knows how long like eventually humans are going to be living with AI biology and all these kind oh. of things that's a whole Scary. other story but the point is
1: save us Elon Musk he's <laughs> yeah. the only one talking about the dangers of AI he, he
0: is yeah yeah, and and he's also in the heart of it he's yeah. he's able to be part of this technology yeah. he has the, the ability to be really part of it and really influential to and it.
1: he has he said I watched an interview and he said he was having like dinner with like the Google man Mm -hmm. his name is and the Google man was just intent on like we need AI we need it now like he wants Google to be saw the same interview yeah yeah. Yeah. he wants Google to just be like the god was
0: was this the one where he claimed Elon Musk was a specious Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was like he sat there and he he stood up for humanity. Like Elon Musk was Mm. in the room and he stood up for us, the little minions, the little ants. Like he cares about the little people and the destruction that something like this could do to humanity. And for all of his faults, and people say, I think you know, if you know, I ruined Twitter. If you look at Elon Musk and you listen to his interviews, he makes a lot of sense, and he is really rooting for us, and we've got like I'm not a billionaire he is he's in those circles he's able to have those conversations did it make a difference no but it might that's the Google guy it might make a difference to the next person Mm -hmm. or the next person so
0: and he does have influence like he he has the ability to implement things
1: yeah definitely and
0: within all of us I think we have an innate desire to our purpose is to basically survive yeah that's what we've been doing for (laughs) millions of, of years like yeah Every animal's job, basically, is to reproduce and survive. And I think where they kind of blur the lines a bit is this guy talking about being a species, is their conversation entailed that AI robots would essentially take over. Yeah. And there would be a symbiotic relationship between AI and humans. Yeah. And then it's like, at what point are you no longer a human? Yeah. And therefore, has the human race ceased to exist and is now just AI? hmm so that goes completely against our fundamental programming to reproduce. Absolutely. So when you start taking away the biological elements of these things and you stop reproducing organically, mm. then at what point are you, is it a human race anymore?
1: But don't you feel like we're, the media is edging into that? You know, I was saying about they we're being sold this isolation dream. I feel like we're also edging into that where we're already being slowly chipped away at that, you know, having children... If you can't afford children, don't have them. No one can afford children, for goodness sake. It's like a grand a month. For th- I pay £1,000 a month for three days at nursery. That's crazy. It's crazy. And that's three days. And I get the the government funding 15 hours free. Mm. You know, like, it is insane. No one can afford to have children. But if we can't have children... And so I just, again, I slowly think we're being kind of like very slowly shifted into... A, a new era where you see all these videos of these girls in their 20s and 30s being like, I don't have children, I love it and it's great. I had a baby, I was 38, I had a baby later in life and I don't, I feel like I got all my parting out the way and it was great. I I like doing it that way round. But I, I'm not advocating having children ever And this new kind of like independent woman, like I don't need the traditional life and just moving so away from what we kind of have known, we're moving into, before we know it, you don't have to have a baby because you can live in an AI world or a metaverse where you can have a family. And it can be virtual. You don't have to have a real life child. And it, I don't know, I just feel like mm-hmm. we're slow. There's a shift slowly from like the joy of biologically having a family yeah. to moving away from it.
0: it this kind of links back to what we're talking about <laughs> with the quick fix TikTok stuff is like that short circuiting of mm. things. I personally don't think is necessarily a good thing to have everything at your fingertips because. Mm part of being a human being is going through the struggle mm. and that is part of why you enjoy things mm. you enjoy things because you can appreciate the hard things and when you have everything easily available it really devalues your life and then you start to question what is the point of being which every human would have thought about at some point and the point of that is to go through hard times yeah. and to experience life in its and to experience every emotion that the human body can experience.
1: But you have to be emotionally mature enough to recognize that that's an experience you need to have. There's a whole generation of younger people that the slightest bit of inconvenience and that they can't cope because they're not desi- they, they haven't got the thick skin, they haven't been through the struggles. So the smallest struggles seem so big. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you know, you've got, I don't like the word, but you've got like, like the snowflake generation where everybody's offended by everything. Um, and, yeah, again, it's, it's about understanding that you, you're never going to really enjoy life if it's not been pretty crap mm. at some point. Some of the best
0: people in the world have been through the most difficult things. In fact... All of them. All of them, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you talk to some of the best people on this planet of what we would consider to be the best, yeah. and they've all been through something...
1: Yeah, look, I mean, all, you know, multi have lost it all. And been. Mm-hmm. I was watching a, a an interview, a, again, a TikTok about uh, Steve Harvey. And he's really, I just love his little motivational. He's great. Yeah, yeah. He does. Get you going. Yeah, he really does. And he did an interview and he was like, after he filmed this tour, and they took like more than 30 million. And his accountant was giving him checks for the, or he was writing checks to his accountant for his tax bill. The accountant was cashing f- the check oh, and not paying the tax bill. So he had seven years of unpaid taxes, plus interest, plus a divorce. So he said he had s- like $1,700 left in his account, and that was it. He was $1,700 away from being flat broke. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and look at him now. And it's just, even he's like, I wouldn't be able to appreciate how good life is now if I hadn't been on my mm-hmm. ass then. Yeah, and you have to. It's seasons. It's you seasons. Everything you it comes summer. and goes.
0: And I think it's really important to I mean, when you're younger, things happen for the first time, mm. the first heartbreak, the first <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Things happen for the first Ouch. time. You don't think you can get over it, but once you've taken a few hits and you you realise like, oh, this is what life is. Yeah. It's really important, I think, in order to keep like a steady maintenance is not to get too overwhelmed when mm. things are going great yeah. and not to get too disheartened when things aren't going too well. Because yeah. it, 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 you're only around the corner from the next big thing.
1: Round the corner.
0: And you're around the corner for the next comeback and, and people whatever. People are having
1: conversations in rooms about you that you have no idea about. Mm. Like There will be people out there that will be talking about you thinking we've got this amazing gig somewhere. And you're on the list, and you know, with Beyonce in Dubai, you don't even know that until they make the call and like, hey. And same with me. Like, there's, there's, you're one phone call away, you're one tragedy away, you're one, you know, someone in a car crash. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. The split second that life can change. Yeah. But like you said, you have to take a few knocks. I feel. I feel like we've become a, a speech. England. I, and america probably but we've become a species of like the slightest knock and it's tragedy and doom and gloom and people are so scared of like like even with covid people were petrified of being poorly like when when it was like okay you're you're not you have no high risk of covid like you everybody had it everybody survived people were still petrified not everybody obviously there were lots of people that died but the sort of the younger generation that had absolutely no risk really and people were so petrified That's <laughs> and it's like we've just become like and I I say to people I'm like, oh I don't want even now oh, I don't want to get covid I'm like you're going to be sick for maybe a week or two and then you get better and then you go on with your life mm-hmm. so like the flu you get the flu you have asthma problems, my hay fever's been a nightmare already and we're still, like, not even in summer. Everyone's so, sort of,
0: delicate. Yeah. And there's also the concept of the silent majority, Mm. where I think because of the easy access of social media, people can think that a general consensus is what it is, but actually if you get in a room with people and you chat to them one-to-one, their opinion's completely different to what that mainstream opinion is. And The, the silent, loudest voice. Yeah, the loudest voices are heard on, on, on the extremities yeah. of the side of the argument. And in actual fact, the majority of people lie somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but that doesn't make good uh, TV shows. So. No. <laughs> yeah. or, or news. Yeah, or you news know, the, or, or the, whatever it is. That...
1: I remember back in the day when news was supposed to be insightful and now it's clickbait. You know, the more clicks they, they have, which is why you see a lot of royal family stuff, because people are very divided over the mm. Harry and Meghan. You do a you do a post for Harry and Meghan, positive or negative, you're going to get multiple hits, mm. just guaranteed. So, yeah, it's become a it's become a bit warped now.
0: Yeah, media is a totally different game. I feel like even the last ten years mm. has changed dramatically.
1: And you think after like the phone hacking scandal, that like Murdoch and his chums and that would kind of be like, okay, we whew, we kind of we got away with that one. And then, I don't know, tighten their belts a little bit and, and run a bit of a tighter ship. But it seems that.
0: Well, I think also they realize they can get away with it, though. Of like. True. What we're really good at in this country is telling people off. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's
0: like, there's your slap on the wrist. We're
1: so British, aren't and they, we? And <laughs> they go out
0: of there and they're like, wait a minute. So I just had a slap on the wrist. I can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And so long as it's
1: a little bit. Yeah, we'll close down one newspaper. Yeah, we'll appease appease the the people.
0: We're great at making people think that some action has been taken towards a circumstance. We're really good at that in this country. So good at that. And and the Americans are good at that as well. And
1: we're good at building people up to the highest of heights and then tearing them down. We're so good at that. Because it makes
0: great. Well, also there's a demand for it like people they wouldn't do it if people didn't buy into it as much so it is that vicious cycle
1: yeah but I think then don't build them up yeah you know it's a very I see I see a lot of people that you just you know I remember back in the day Katie Hopkins had her own chat show Mm -hmm. on mainstream telly she was the darling and now she couldn't even get a Twitter account like she, she just she's completely and utterly shunned
0: well, she is, and then she's also got her own audience of like dedicated people that now, are
1: yeah. for that yeah.
0: Um, but and I saw an interview with her, which was actually quite sad because she's has to change. She's had to change her children's names, um, and obviously like live this really private life, mm-hmm. which is the she real won't downside. Go to parents' of, evening, yeah. She
1: won't go to pick up her children from school. She's changed the names of her children so that no one thinks they're associated with her. Hmm. And she thought at one point she might as well, if she died, at least she's giving them then a free run to, mm. to be free. And it, if if she died, her children would be traumatised forever and ever and ever. But that's she genuinely thought that was the better thing to do. And that's what I mean about, you know, building people up. You know, she, she really was hailed. She went on Big Brother and, and everyone was like, yay. And then... She'd always had controversial idea. I mean, the first thing she did, she went viral on this morning for the names and mm-hmm. the children. So nothing changed in Katie Hopkins' world. It was just how they she was protected and then she wasn't. And I just think it's really sad. I think it's really sad. And people say, oh, it's consequences. <clears throat> and yeah, there, there were consequences. But there would be people sat in a room like this that gave her a chat show that said, oh, no, well, we'll... We won't tell anyone, we'll tell her to be quiet about this and we'll keep that away and we won't tell... They'll come with the, the Daily Mail bill, we've got this story on Katie Hopkins. Oh, we won't. don't print that, print this. Give them something else. And it's all... Everything's manipulated to make her win and then when the tide turns, you're out.
0: Yeah. That's, it's, it seems to unfortunately be the case with a lot of people and the public eye.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Caroline Flack.
0: Yeah. That's you know, I mean they, one of the saddest incidences. Yeah.
1: They've now got you know flax stock, you know they've got a whole festival, mm. um, and she should she should be here. Yeah, she shouldn't have she shouldn't be gone. Over what? Like she should not be gone. She should still be here. That is crazy. And I think all it would have taken is for a little bit of support, especially from ITV.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a shame that that has <clears throat> to have happened. For I, I think that incident in particular Mm. did actually change a few things in terms of people suddenly were like, hold on a minute, that particular incident, people woke up to the facts a little bit. And I think that the public consensus towards people in the private eye has changed since Mm. that. I think people are a little bit more understanding of what it is to be in that realm. And back to what we said about people now understand that reality TV is is a production.
1: Mm.
0: But I mean, you've been in the public eye. Quite a bit. And yeah. how did you find that? I mean, there's definitely pros, definitely yeah. some downsides. But
1: same. I mean, when I when I was doing celibacy there was no, like duty of care didn't exist. Mm. That, that wasn't a buzzword. Like no one had died yet. So, n- n- you know, nothing, n- any complaints that you made, any problems that you had, nobody was there to take them seriously or listen. And everybody was kind of overworked and stretched and so there wasn't anybody that you were able to to talk to that would take it seriously um because everyone was just like okay let's just finish today okay let's just get through today and that please let's just get through this week or and you know you'd be like oh I'm really not happy about something but okay well, let's just put a pin in it and that would be and then you'd never take the pin out and it mm-hmm. was <clears throat> It was a very diff- I don't know what it'd be like now, but certainly back then it was very, very different. Mm-hmm. It, it was very isolating. it was literally like put up or shut up
0: and uh, it, it's a shame that that's how it was at, at the time, I think people thought that the argument was, well, that's part of what it is to be in the public eye. If you want the attention, the the, the money that comes with it, the, the the lifestyle, these kind of things that you see in, in celebrities. Then the downside is is this, and there's like a calm calmer effect of like mm. you get a higher upside and you get a higher downside. yeah, and that's the choice that you've you've chosen to be in that industry
1: and if I was earning the higher upside money, then fair enough. but like for series one and two of Celebs Good dating, Tom and I got paid worse than anybody else on the payroll. We were the lowest paid people on the payroll, including the runners. So I couldn't pay my rent. <clears throat> you know i'm i'm on a national television show and i and i've got bailiffs knocking at my door because i cannot pay my rent because i'm not being paid any money and i'm working 16-hour days 5 days a week the two days that i'm not working i'm sleeping because i'm exhausted i can't then make any money outside of the show and i'm being paid less than minimum wage it was just you know and <laughs> that's the thing when you're when you haven't got When you've got a bailiff knocking on your door and they're going, hang on a minute, I recognise you. And you're like, (laughs) the downsides, there's a a lot of downsides. And so, you know, maybe again, if I was being paid more and I had money in this wonderful lifestyle, then maybe I would have been happier, but I was extremely unhappy because I just, not being able to pay your rent but then walking outside your house and everyone going, oh my God, your life must be so amazing. You, you know, you're, everything's so great and you're being invited to parties and it's wonderful, but you literally don't have 10 quid to go to the shops and buy dog food. That's, you know, that when the downside is when it's all down and the only up really is that there's a carrot that if you if you keep going, you might get a payday. You know, I remember sobbing on the phone to channel four on series four I think it was sobbing and being like you promised that this series we'd get paid a decent wage you promised no but you signed a contract last series that had a two two show clause and I said yes but we specifically said that that may be we were pressured into it and we're not doing it Um, there's no money And I sobbed. I was sobbing, being like, "I cannot continue this any longer." And just sobbing, being like, "I can't do it. I'm, I'm dead. I'm done." And they didn't pay. That was it. And they were like, "One more." They said, "Promise you, just do this one. Next one, we'll talk." And it was like, "Okay."
0: There's always one more.
1: Always one more. So it was really, really tough. To have all the downsides, but then behind the scenes have downsides as well. Because if anyone knows what it's like not to be able to pay your rent, it's the anxiety it gives you, you know, it's, there's a lot of mental health issues that go along with not being able to pay your bills. It's, it's not just like, oh, it's okay. You know, every, you can't answer your phone because every call is somebody wanting money and you don't have it. You, you're scared to answer the door. The doorbell goes and the anxiety that goes on in your, like, full-blown panic attacks just at someone knocking on the door. You know, the mental health that you go through with all of that. And th- no one cared. Nobody cared. So it's 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 very difficult. You know, and I see even today, you see people like they're on TOWIE, Made in Chelsea, these shows. People think, oh, life must be so good. And eventually, yeah, I mean, look at Sam and Billy Fares. Living their best life. Multi-millionaires living their best life. But how long have they been going? What, 10 years? You know, so yeah, you'll be broke now, but maybe in 10 years' time you might make it. And it's like, oh, well, I need to pay my rent now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a, it's a real tough side of it. And people go, oh, and the same with like the trolling and, and people being mean to you online. Oh, what do you expect? It's like, well, I don't expect people to be vile. I don't expect people to be nasty for the sake of being nasty. I expect people to be just a little bit more conscious that, As a human being, you hopefully have feelings (laughs) and you're not this closed off, shut off robot and that people say, oh, just, just delete, delete and block. And it's like, yeah, but you have to read it first before you know whether it's positive or negative. So you read the first line of a message and that first line could be, I hate you, I wish you're dead, you're fat, you're ugly. Um, all sorts of horrible stuff. I mean, it's usually you're fat, you're ugly, and I wish you did. I mean, that's the main things that I get, certainly. But you read that sentence, and then you, can, you delete, and that's fine. But you've already had that, like, punch in the gut. So unless you come off social media, which I also think is not... I don't think it's fair to ask people to come off of social media to not get trolled. I think it's the same way as asking, like... A, a woman in a domestic violence situation, just leave. It's like, it's not that simple. Why don't we look at the people doing the trolling, the people being mean, and ask them to change their behaviour rather than the victim of that behaviour and and make it make it better. But ultimately, there's not much you can do about people being mean. And so for me... I choose now to take a step back, definitely. I'm much less, people probably don't think so, but I'm definitely less active on socials. I'm on it, but in terms of like putting my two pence in, I've definitely taken a step back because sometimes I just can't be bothered with the drama. I mean, even yesterday there was somebody on Twitter talking about Jack Monroe and she's a, a cook. And she does these really good, like, cheap like 41p-a-serving meals. She's, she's brilliant. And really good if you're on a budget. Like, she came from poverty, she was on benefits, single mum, and she's really worked hard to, like, get herself to be self-sustainable. And even yesterday, I don't think it's appropriate that Jack is writing a recipe for the coronation. There's £100 million worth of public money is going on the coronation. I'm like... So what's the alternative? Jack doesn't write the recipes. It's like people that are struggling want to partake in the coronation too. It's not our fault he's choosing to take a hundred million. But people, people still want to celebrate. Like, what do you want her to not to not give this information? It's just yeah, it's odd.
0: It, it's odd. It's not really human designed, is it? For to go through that process that you've been through. Yeah, we weren't really we certainly weren't prepared for it especially cuz when we were growing up there was no social media yeah but it just isn't a natural thing to have that many people have access to your headspace yeah and be able to influence it and yeah. i've heard some people say well the whole, the term of like post and ghost right so mm. you put up the post and you forget about it don't read the comments yeah. that's then, what mp's do that's what mp's do yeah. but mp's aren't relying on they're not social media people like, your job is, part of your job is to be active on social media. Yeah. That's part of, these days, if you're in the creative industry, you don't have a choice, really. No way. They're, they're, we're, we're getting to the back end of the people that had the choice, yeah. and those are the people that have already the following, that can post and ghost. Yeah. But now, if you want to be part of it, you kind of have to play ball. Yeah. you got You got to be part of the game. Yeah. And that is a serious downside to it. Yeah. And because we're the first people that have been through it, we're still figuring out the rules and we're still trying to figure out like okay should we post and ghost should we reply to every comment like some people say to boost our algorithm yeah
1: like gary v's like go on every comment reply to every person and it's like really
0: i I like his attitude of um he talks about not taking anything personal whether it be good or bad because then, but at the
1: same time, taking everything, but
0: at the same time, listening to everything, yeah, listening to what the general public are saying, yeah. So it is a hard balance, and
1: I think that's what we're trying to do as well. We're trying to find the balance because mm. it is new, certainly, my generation, we didn't grow up with it, so therefore, it is new. You're learning the balance between what I'm comfortable with and what works, mm-hmm. and those lines get blurred, definitely. And sometimes I know I'm spending too much or I'm putting my two pence in too much mm-hmm. because I'm getting a lot of criticism back and then I need no I need to take my foot off the gas a bit more and then other times like it's dead so I'm like okay yeah I, I feel confident <laughs> yeah. I can get that I, I, like, I can do this and then I go back and I'm like oh my god no okay delete delete delete
0: <laughs> what a thing that helped me actually was um so my my tiktok account had gone viral on quite a few occasions and was getting like millions of views wow like thousands and thousands of comments Love TikTok. and when i first started to i mean i've done reality stuff before so i was kind of a little bit used to the the public opinion
1: yeah
0: so it wasn't the first time i had a public opinion and some of the comments that started to come through i was like oh okay that's making me feel a bit whatever and I clicked on a few of the accounts and because TikTok when it first came out was quite a young audience, mm. I clicked on this account and I was like, that's a 12 year old kid. Yeah. And I was like, why am I letting a 12 year old kid get into my head? Yeah. And ever since then, I've been able to kind of like, so what I do now is I don't look at the account okay, and I just think of it like a 12 year old kid has commented. Yeah. And that really helps me because yeah. their opinion is so, like if you'd met a 12 year old kid in real life and he was like you're an idiot <laughs> you'd you'd laugh you'd be like that's hilarious like
1: cool story bro <laughs>
0: yeah. but for some reason when it's a comment on social media you think it's different yeah. so unless that account has like a-, a legitimate like if it has a blue tick or yeah. a legitimate name where you're like okay this person
1: is a person but if
0: it's like user 154 or like
1: yeah johnnyboy23 <laughs>
0: then i just imagine it's a 12 year old kid and I'm on with my day, sort of thing, and that's really oh, helpful. he is a twirl- yeah.
1: child. That's the other thing, as well. Like, yeah, it is. I, you, you have to, yeah, again, it's about self awareness. You kind of, I think you have to go through that rite of passage of kind of being trolled and getting those negative comments to be able to then find the balance because, yeah, just getting your fingers burned and just understanding, like, it, it's, it's a real hard thing to learn social media because when you so many people I know message me so many people when they've gone viral and it's not positive and for some reason they always message me <laughs> and they're like how did you cope you've been through it, yeah. yeah and I'm like babes you'll get through this you'll get through this like one of my friends messaged and she was she did an article in the news and it said that she if brands were paying for her, she'd go first class, but she'd put her kids and her husband in economy just because the brand had paid for her. So she was like, well, well they should, because this is work. Oh, it did not go down well in the scheme of the public. And yeah, she was really affected by it. And she messaged me. She was like, how? How did?" And I'm like, it will blow over. It feels right now so scary and overwhelming and you feel like the whole world hates you. And there's so much on your shoulders. But the, honestly, the best thing you can do, put your phone down, go and for a day out with your family, mm-hmm. like literally just come away from it. Get some perspective, sleep on it and then wake up tomorrow and it'll be fine. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the um, post and draft, especially on Twitter. As in? So write and write. draft. Yeah, okay. Save draft. So if I write something and I'm a bit like, Shh, it's a bit close to the bone save it in my drafts, sleep on it. If I still feel the same way the next morning, then I'll post it. Mm -hmm. 99.9% of the time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, no. Really? Delete (laughs) Delete. Oh, we'd love
0: to see those drafts. They're still out there somewhere. I
1: ever get hacked. This is the crazy thing. Do you remember when Piers Morgan's Twitter got hacked and they were like saying stupid things, like racist things. And I'm like, unleash his drafts.
0: Imagine.
1: You've got it. Piers Morgan's drafts
0: Mm. maybe they were his drafts maybe those (laughs) could be
1: but like yeah no if my drafts have if i ever get hacked and my drafts go viral i'm in trouble (laughs) so yeah no but it's a really good way to like self manage
0: yeah yeah because when you're emotional for whatever reason the blood is in the part of your brain where it isn't in that logical part of the brain yeah so you're genuinely just not thinking about things properly and that's nobody's fault like that's that's how we're designed, isn't
1: it? I grew up with three brothers, yeah, like debating, arguing, bantering is my forte. So if I've got someone that's given me like poke in the bear, my first instinct is to just
0: yeah whoa, yeah get in there and sometimes
1: kill them with like words, yeah, I don't need fists, I've got I can do everything with my words, and that translates in real life fairly well because mm-hmm. I don't have to get into fist fights because I can usually pacify the situation with words, but on social media there's no context mm-hmm. and so the things that you say i mean i've said nice things to people i said i said a really nice supportive thing to someone once i can't even remember what it was but i just remember the amount of trolling and i was like it was nice look i said smiley face at the end even like i'm supporting the post there's so many people
0: that's the other thing that you you can't tell the way in which someone's saying something mm. and that's the hard thing like in real life which we all grew up in yeah. of real life conversations yeah you could say these things and people would be like they're obviously joking yeah um but now it's very hard to sarcasm get
1: sarcasm on twitter does not work. yeah 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 anything ironic anything sarcastic even if you put lol like smiley face emoji laughing emoji yeah. even if you like try and make it like this is clearly no no, unless you have comedian in your bio, jokes don't they don't work. No, if if you
0: do, you can get away with anything, can't you?
1: Apparently, Apparently, so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know we're in the flow of things. I'm. I haven't had to do this before on a podcast, but I need the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> do you mind if we just have a little pause? Um, <laughs> that's
1: a good shout. Let's do it.
0: Okay, we're back after a little little toilet break. Yeah. We're just talking about golf.
1: I mean, I think I'm going to be a more like obviously fair weather golfer. That's for sure. Yeah. But also, I feel like. Can you drink on the golf? Course? <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna be.
0: You've, you can build. You can bring a um a flask or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna be a bit more like, you know, hole in five, take a shot.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I'm not gonna do a hole in one. Let's be honest, but like
0: 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning when they're all.
1: <laughs> I mean, why not?
0: You could find you could find a nice golf man out there. I reckon.
1: Yeah, and I feel like you know, rather than join a gym because you don't find men at the gym and up- also
0: it's a bit weird like i i do find it weird if a guy is trying to hit on a girl in the gym because that's their space that's their time to 100%. get on with it
1: unless there is like clear green flags mm. you know you're 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 making eye contact she's giving you
0: but some guys can't read that some guys are terrible at reading the signs
1: i don't think they're terrible at reading the signs they just they are so insecure they don't wait for any signs mm just wait if you make eye contact with a girl and it's a few times there's a difference between and like a smile like <laughs> and a like hey oh he's cute yeah hi is it like you just have to you gotta as a guy if, it, if i was a guy i'd just relax into it yeah like if you see someone you like just kind of hang around a little bit not in a creepy way just in a See if you make eye contact. Girls that are into you, it's so easy to see they're into you because they're going to be like looking at you a lot and smiling and giving you like playing with the hair and all like open body language.
0: Mm. So there's a lot of it about the body language Mm. when it comes to that, especially in the
1: gym. Mm. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. You can, uh, that's what I say about women, I don't believe that women should make the first move on men. I think that it's the male thing to do. To approach a woman and ask her out, I think that's the tradition that shouldn't die with the rise of feminists. Yeah, um, a bit of chivalry. Yeah, and and I and but also, I, I think we the, men and women are not the same, and I think people people confuse the the want for equality with being the same. Equality doesn't mean the same. It does in some respects, i.e. we want to be paid the same for the same work. If we do the same job, I expect to be paid the same. I expect to have the same rights as you in terms of access to a bathroom and refreshments and things like that. Time off and, and all things like that. Like I expect that type of environment to be the same. But outside of a corporate working situation, Men have different interests to women in general. I'm just generalizing because if you went down every single caveat and we'd be here all day. But in general, men have different interests to women. You put a group of men in a room and a group of women in the room. The men will sit and they'll gravitate to each other and they'll talk about things that interest them. Golf, racing, sports, DIY projects, anything that they're kind of interested in. The women will talk about children, usually, <laughs> kids, if you've got kids, you're, that's the number one thing I talk about to everyone at the moment. I'm definitely that mum. But children or current affairs, you know, we'll talk about Sophia Ritchie's wedding and the Kardashians. Men would never have a conversation about the Kardashians. It just wouldn't be interesting to them and it wouldn't be on the forefront of their mind. So we, we have to remember that we are different species. We're, we're two different... You know, you're, bless you, the guy's brains... They're from
0: Mars, they're from Venus.
1: Yeah, but you're, like, <laughs> we, we are different. Like, we, our brains develop a lot quicker than your brains. That is science. Yeah. You know, they, and I, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about the working from home and how it's, it's going, it's fantastic for women and for parents because the flexibility means that more people can get back into work, which boosts the economy, people pay more taxes... It's a, it's brilliant. But for guys, um, it can be... One, for relationships, it's going to be tough because a third of relationships happen from the workplace. So you're already cutting out a third of couples' opportunities to meet each other, which is huge in terms of baby-making and marriages and things like that. But for guys as well, because their prefrontal cortex isn't developed completely until about the age of 21... They need the stability of an office because they get to get it, or, or in a working environment because they have to be at somewhere at a certain time. Can't really be late. They have mentors around them. They have a community around them. So they have support. They're not isolated. They have a manager that keeps them in check. If they do something wrong, the manager hauls them into the office and keeps them in line. You can't do that. You can't say that. Well done for doing that. Well done for saying that. Praise and guidance, which young men need. Now more than ever. You know, that's why people talk about Andrew Tate. Why do you think he's so big? Because they're lost. Men are lost. They're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. People are like, oh, I don't even know if I want to open the door anymore. I'll get shouted at. They don't know what to do. And so you've got Andrew Tate that comes along and says very clearly, this is what you do. Makes a very good argument. Makes some good points. But inside of that, massively misogynistic. And, but, but, but he's got courage in his conviction. Tell me another man like that, who's got courage like young, that young men would aspire to. Rolling around in his Bugattis, having a good time with his, it, like living the life that women used to aspire to when the wag movement was huge. When you had the, you know, and girls just, they didn't want to be nurses, they wanted to be wags. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Men need role models. And now more than ever, we've got to catch them when they're younger. Because as they're younger, if you can instil in them respect, women deserve to be respected, we are not property. And that's what Andrew Tate thinks, you know, when you get married, you're someone's property. I don't believe that. I think there is so much value in equal relationships, coming together, talking through brainstorming ideas, together building a life. And the roles may reverse, In some years, I might have to stay at home and be the homemaker. In other years, you may have to stay at home while I go and do a shoot somewhere. The roles may shift, but in general, you commit to staying together on the long term and and seeing it through those roles Mm -hmm. and then finding a balance of what works for your household. But ultimately, that is equality. It's not you telling me what I have to do. Mm -hmm. It's us coming to the table and going, how do we want our life to be as a team? No one's doing that. So Andrew Tate comes along and he's like, men be men. Men feel good about themselves. If I be like him, I can have that. I mean Yeah. What a what a hero to youngins.
0: And and he really did ride that TikTok wave, didn't he? Yeah. Capturing them whilst they're young, like you were saying. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um? There's a couple of movements going on at the moment. One of which is The traditional values and understanding the importance of being in a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a liberal approach where, you know what? If we've been together 16 years, we might move on to something else. Um, Open relationship type situations, a little bit more freedom in that approach. And what's interesting about both of these two things is I feel like they're coming from... The same kind of people who normally agree on a lot of matters together. Mm. And there seems to be a little bit of friction there between those two points of view. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think, first and foremost, I think as a species, humans are not designed to be monogamous. And I think that that is where we should fundamentally start our thinking. That's not what we're designed to do. Because if we were, We just would. Like nature doesn't get it wrong. (laughs) You know, if we were supposed to have life partners like every other animal in the animal kingdom who mate for life, we'd mate for life. But we don't. So therefore that tells you that we're not monogamous as a species. So monogamy is a choice. I personally love that. I love the fact that you can go into a relationship with someone and every day you get to make a choice. And that choice is to be monogamous to someone. That is so special to me. That we've gone against nature Mm. because we're choosing each other. And we get that choice every day. Every time you go out with the boys, every time I go out with the girls, every single time we're together or apart, we're choosing each other. And I love that. I think that just, oh, it makes me so happy. And
0: is that a good thing for society? When When it comes to what we are now entering phase where in the us there's like a 50 60 divorce rate um where it's quite common mm. you know it's not a, it's not a stigma it's like a normal thing mm. now people people get it
1: yeah
0: um what do you think is the best thing for a society
1: um i think that marriage should be and i think it was paul from sloves good 18 that said this but i don't want to quote him wrong so i
0: Pinch
1: of salt. Yeah, yeah, take this with a pinch of salt. This is what I think, and I think he said it and planted the seed. I think marriage should be easier to enter into, but harder to get out of. Or no, did he say the other way around? No, that's it, sorry. The other way around. Harder to get into and Mm. easier to get out of. So he thinks, and I agree, that before you get married, you should commit to couples counselling. Um, I definitely think you should live together. I definitely think you should have sex with each other. You have to. Because there's too many incompatibilities. Mm-hmm. There's so much going against you that if you don't take the car for the test drive that before you buy, with all the stats against you, you're making it even harder for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I feel like go to live together hopefully have a wonderful sex life go to couples counseling even if you don't think you need it go and get a couple of sessions
0: okay. yeah so what i'm just personally finding that interesting because i mean i live with my girlfriend we've been we've lived together for three years okay and i think we spoke about couples counseling a couple of times not for anything serious but just just came into conversation but what could we as a couple you think benefit from what what would the sort of average couple benefit from going to see a counsellor when there's no sort of major issue that you need to get over
1: it will help you practice the art of communication so when you have a counsellor you definitely feel more confident to kind of speak more freely because mm-hmm. there's a mediator there And so what couples counselling will do is help you just get into the practice of doing that so that When you're married and you don't have any counselling, you're already versed at just Mm. saying how you feel and it not causing massive reaction and big blow-ups and, you know, major drama because both of you have kind of learned how to communicate in a really methodical, mediated way. And just talking about stuff, I mean, even if you sat there for an hour and, and didn't really have anything to talk about, I guarantee at the end of the hour... One, you'll find something to talk about because you just do. And two, you'll come out and feel really good. Mm. You'll feel stronger as a couple. You'll feel better. And if there's a niggle, you know, next week you've got a chance to talk about it again. This is why a show like Married at First Sight works so well. Because every single week they come back, they talk to the experts. Mm. And then they go away for another week with fresh, renewed confidence of like, okay, we can do this. And then as soon as the experiment finishes, they all break up. Yeah but it shows you that because yeah. when you've got someone there helping you guiding you you can do it because you're motivated so i think couples counseling is a massive thing to do and i think people if you're considering marriage definitely go go for a couple of sessions and see how you get on because you want to get into the practice of just communicating because the minute you don't communicate what happens is you start building resentment and then you start arguing over like dishes in the sink socks being left around and you have these massive arguments about a pair of socks.
0: But really it's not about the socks.
1: not about the socks. It's never about the socks. It's about the fact that someone feels undervalued, underappreciated, underrepresented, underseen, underloved. And there's there's something missing and that is the communication. So yeah, definitely, if you're going to go into it and you're going to get married, make sure that you have learned how to communicate effectively and then that way there's no reason for you to break up really I mean you can if you planning to spend the rest of your life together with someone there are going to be periods of time where you fall out of love with that person that is just fact but again it's choice do you choose to then go okay this is it and move on to the next person or do you have the hope that because you love them once, that it, it can come around again, and those feelings can come back, but it's just going to take a lot of work.
0: So interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm now like personally invested on the uh, the whole. I'm now really interested. So you're clearly very knowledgeable on the dating scene. Oh, and thanks,
1: <laughs> that, I'll take that.
0: That is what your your you're well known for as well Mm. but how did you get started with that originally like where did that all begin getting into the dating advice and at what point did you think maybe I could do something with this and and..."
1: um I think so I was working for a company I left and I wanted to take like a year sabbatical because I was like I was in the corporate world and I had enough money kind of saved up where I was like, I now I, I can't work in an office, I can't do any more sales jobs, I can't do any more marketing. I'm like done with that like nine to five or mm. eight to ten as it is in most sales and marketing companies. And so I was like, right, I'm gonna take a year off, I'm gonna try some different things and see what I wanna do. And so I experimented like I thought I was gonna open like a nursery for kids, not having any kids, I just was like, that's a good money maker. <laughs> wanted to open a nursery, um, wanted to open a concierge service. I thought that'd be like me being like a good connector would be good and just kind of tried my stuff. But behind the scenes, my old boss, she had just got a divorce or was going through a divorce as so the company kind of was winding up. And she said to me, we were really good. We We were really good friends as well as work colleagues. And she said to me, I want to get out dating again. Can you come and be my wingwoman? And I was like, yeah, I would love that. And I lived on the King's Road in Chelsea. So I was like, hmm, perfect. So we just go out like a couple of times a week together. And I just talk her through, oh, no, stay away from him. Red flag. Like, oh, no, he's cute. Yeah, go and ask for his number. Or, you know, go And, and you could intuitively
0: her. pick up on those things and read the signs. Were you quite, I mean, did you, when you were younger, younger, were you dating a lot as well? Is that where you gained the intuition from?
1: No, I think, I think, like I, and not to put a t- Debbie Downer, yeah, but I think I, I grew up in quite an abusive household, and I think that when, as a child, when you are in a environment of danger, you have to be extremely well equipped in picking up the slightest turn, mm-hmm. the, the the eye flicker, the hand. The silence, the noise, you have to be very versed in, is there a storm coming? How can you, you know, reading body language. You became
0: very good at spotting subtle red flags. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you have to be very, very, very good because ultimately you feel like you're in danger Mm -hmm. and you're constantly on like alert mode. And so I think I just over the years just learned really interesting body language quips that meant certain things Mm -hmm. and then obviously I was like grew up yes I you know I I dated a lot um and then I just found out like I realized I'm I'm quite bossy (laughs) and I just kind of found a way to monetize that bossiness in a way that helps people (laughs) which is great like win-win um and yeah I think I can because I can pick up on body language and kind of read the difference between what someone says and what they mean. I think that's important, Mm. about reading between the lines. I think I'm a good critical thinker. I'll take some information and then I'll think about the information about how that sits with me um, and use common sense, whether or not I think that I agree with it or not. I won't just take something as trust the science. I don't think that's... That's not my thinking. I'm like, okay, what science? Where's it coming from? Who's giving me the science? Bill Gates isn't a doctor. Why is he telling me? you' doesn't trust the science, but he's not a scientist. And so I go into like rabbit holes as well, mm-hmm. deep dive into stuff. I'm just, so you
0: have the ability to really go deep onto something. Yeah. And prob- sounds like quite quickly as well, especially if it's... You, in essence, you're trying to analyse somebody. Yeah. Um, and you're very good at doing that. Yeah. Do they... Um, so after you... You did this with your friend. Mm. You realised, okay, that i actually, this is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. could be something. Where yeah. did it go from there?
1: So then I started a business doing it. Yeah. Just like word of mouth in Chelsea. was fabulous, just helping people. And I was like, yeah, this is great. As
0: a dating coach? Yeah. Yeah. What a good idea.
1: And then out of the blue, I got a call from Celebs go Dating. I think it was like on a Thursday and literally completely out of the blue. We're calling from Channel Four. We've got. We're creating this new TV show. We're looking for like experts. Do you want to come and screen test? And I was like, yes, because at that point, there were no dating shows really, um, and I think Love Island had had one series, maybe.
0: What was this? Twenty sixteen? Yeah, yeah. So it was early days. Very yeah. early
1: days. But I also knew that I wanted to do dating on a show. So it kind of was like manifesting.
0: So do you think you'd been manifesting that? Is that something you'd specifically been visualising? Being on a I, TV show?
1: I, in a very amateurish way. I didn't yeah. really understand about manifestation back then. But I knew that I wanted to do dating on TV. I didn't know how that was going to work. But I. that was my goal. <clears throat> so I spent hours researching different channels, commissioning editors, how do you get a TV show commissioned, emailing, I um, have made pilots.
0: So you were thinking of setting up your own yeah. celebs dating situation. Kind of, not yeah.
1: necessarily with celebs, more like real first people, but like, uh, like a similar type yeah. of show where you basically take single people and help them not be single anymore through whatever medium it is. Because there wasn't anyone really doing that. Like, Love Island was great. You had people on an island and they matched. But no one was helping single people find love. Millionaire Matchmaker was. And it was a huge thing. And I was like, that's me. Mm-hmm. So I can do that. So I. it was about three years from kind of, cons- I suppose, like, me having the first thought of like, okay, this could be something... And then the last year of really full time in my sabbatical, just being like, right, this is this is the angle. And then I, they said to me, come in and do the screen test. We're going to do two screen tests and then we're going to choose who gets the job. I ended up doing seven. Really? Yeah. They must have liked you. No, they couldn't decide. <laughs> um, so it was between me and then I think two other people. And the other two people had written books been to university and on their CV had all the credentials and then there's me that rocked up and I was like I'm just good <laughs> like I've got I've got clients I've got a business but I haven't written a book I don't have I've never been to university I just know that I'm good and I make good telly so I'm you know and they were I think they were quite dry and mm-hmm. they were very
0: that's it, you need. you also need that personality, don't you? Well if they gonna be a TV decide. show.
1: They weren't sure. They weren't sure whether they wanted the agency to be like um a bit more credible or more fun. And luckily for me it was E four, so they went down the fun route. Yeah. But they definitely if it was Channel Four, they would have, I think, chosen someone else and been a bit more credible and a bit more Like the uh,
0: Doctor oh, what's that what's that show called? The one with the Doctor? Good looking bloke. Christian, Dr. Christian. Oh, yeah. Like that. He's yeah. like a, uh, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: An expert in their field yeah. and just a little bit.
0: A little bit more serious, I guess. A bit more
1: serious, yeah. yeah. Whereas I'm a bit more like, I know my staff, but, you know, I like to have fun with it too. Yeah. So I literally got the job at like four o'clock on the Monday. And at 7am the next day, my car was coming to pick me up. Wow. <clears throat> it was like that.
0: Not even have time to pop the champagne or...
1: No. And I remember, I always look back at series one of Slebs Good Dating. And because I think it's on Netflix now. And my hair colour is <laughs> vile. Because I didn't want to go and get my hair done. Because I didn't want to jinx it.
0: Ah, uh, no. But then... But you... then
1: once, as the soon as you start shooting for continuity, you can't change anything. No can't change way. anything. So series one, we also had no makeup artists. Yeah. So I had to wake up at five. To have my shower, do my hair and makeup myself to be ready to be picked up for seven. Apart from when we did like the talking to the camera bit, you know, where it's just you talking yeah. about stuff. Then we had a makeup artist. So the difference, we had literally a girl that would come in with powder just to try and powder us because we were sweating. Because we just had, I just had like normal, like revolution ma- makeup, you know, it just wasn't like camera ready makeup. So yeah, we all looked very rough around the edges and I looked horrific but you know I look back now and I'm like okay it is what it is and then I think I had a bit of a glow up in series two because it was like okay now <laughs> they had a makeup artist and I got to be able to get my hair done so it was like okay
0: that must have been like for somebody that wanted to do your own tv show and then got pulled into this new concept I mean firstly the odds right
1: in- insane because they had somebody else yeah to do it Signed the contract, booked to do it, as far as I'm aware. And they just, uh, they scrapped it. they pulled out. Oh, they pulled out. They pulled out. Mm. Literally last minute, they pulled out and said, actually, no, it's not for me. And I'm like, that never happens. Ever, ever, ever. You've got a, you've got a television show on a major channel with a major company that makes major, like, it's not a fledgling independent. It's Lime Pictures. They're massive. They make Hollyoaks. Massive. And she uh, literally turned around last minute and was like, nope, don't want to do it.
0: I wonder what, I mean, that's, we'd have to ask her, but obviously great for you. I mean, opened up. Yeah. You, how did you feel like the day that they gave you that job must have been like?
1: Oh, well, I, they brought me in on that day. So that day, so say it was the Monday, they brought me and they said, to? Well, you you've got to meet a few people because we're still not sold. So come in and have a meeting. No, they didn't say that, sorry, that's a lie. They said, come in and have a meeting. And this will be the, obviously, this is the last meeting now. We just want to, you know, dot the I's. So I went into the meeting just basically like, okay, this is it. Like, I kind of got the They haven't said it, but I kind of got the job. For two hours, I got grilled. Really? Grilled. And I came out so deflated and I went home and just cried. You thought that was it? I thought that was it. Like, they burst my bubble. You know, it was literally like... Are you doing this for the right reasons you know what what's your what's your game plan and i'm like i don't know i haven't really thought that far ahead like i'm just taking each day you're like i'm I'm now seven screen tests later it's a long process getting a little fatigued you know like i want this more than i can taste it i want it so much but at the same time i'm like guys my anxiety levels are through the roof So can we get this show on the road? And I just, I remember I came out and the the girl that kind of been through the whole process with me, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm broken. And I was just so dramatic about it all. And then went home and sobbed. And then they called me back at four and was like, okay, got the job. And I was like,
0: "Ah." probably relief
1: more than anything at that point. And I think I probably cried again. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh my God. And then they were like, yeah, we're going to pick you up at seven o'clock tomorrow. And I was like, with no, and I'm like, oh, okay. So it was all very bumpy, very fast, yeah, very fast. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, got thrown into it. And I think this is again, you know, part of when i when I left and I said this to them, and I was like, you know you, the whole scenario about me leaving is is still people still have a very. They don't know what happened. People are still very much like, so what was that all about? Mm. And it's a very long, very boring story. Um, But now to this day, I think it was sometime last year, and there was like a Telegraph newspaper article that came out and it literally, the headline was, you know, Nadia Essex got sacked from Celebs Go Dating for trolling. And then just this absolute, like, vile article about the new series that was coming up and whatever and I just again sobbed because I was like we're talking now like nearly five years later one it's not true first of all this is the Telegraph it's very respected it's you know like you get the Sun and you think oh a bit close to the bone but this is the Telegraph and I just sobbed and I and I remember saying to channel four I remember demanding a meeting with them because i was like you guys have done nothing to to support me i said you literally plucked me from obscurity with no training no support no you know no one no one called me to see if i was okay no one cared how i was feeling no one bothered about my mental health and all the issues that i was going through like literally no one cared and now years later i'm still getting this and it is heartbreaking because it's just simply not true and this is the narrative that's being spun and it's not fair and like you guys where are you what's going on so they they were actually (laughs) there's nothing they could do but the, the article came down thank god but you know it's like next week there'll be another article with the same thing this is the problem you know no one no one really cares about the truth they they love the clicks Mm. like it's a great story like i'm
0: guessing the truth was wasn't as sellable
1: no i mean i literally was was working in in the time was going through serious mental health, health issues couldn't pay my rent couldn't pay my bills had bailiffs knocking on my door was expected to turn up and tits and teeth it for 16 hours a day was depleted In every way a person can be depleted. And the only thing I had control over was defending myself against people that were trolling me. So I'd go on every time I opened social media, obviously being on TV, you're fat, you're ugly, boring, nasty, vile, please die, blah, blah, blah. The usual kind of quip, but just constant hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of messages and it gave me a sense of control to be able to say to these people oh f off you know or go away or shut up or 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 you know look at your look at your own life you asshole," or whatever I'm not sure what I'm not swear. Um, swear but you know what I mean like you know and it gave me it just gave me because I couldn't do that obviously being me because I'd get in trouble Because I wasn't allowed to say anything. I mean, I got calls weekly. Nadia, take that down. Nadia, you can't say that. Don't say this. Oh, you can't say that in an interview. Oh, you did this interview and it was good, but please don't say that again. And I just was getting told off constantly. Never any positivity. It was constantly like, you're doing it wrong.
0: Did they give you any media training?
1: Half an hour. I think we got half an hour. Someone came in and was like, pretended to interview me for like half an hour. And then the feedback was, you talk too much.
0: Do you think that was a tick box exercise?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, they didn't care. Because if they did care, when I, when I said to them, yes, these accounts are my accounts, because that's what I said. It wasn't like I said, you know, the, the, again, it was like, oh, she got sacked for this. and da, da. No, that's not what happened at all. I said to them, I want a meeting with them. And I went in and I said, look, and I said to them, you you can see from these accounts two things one they've been inactive for months because I'm now in a better place you know I've got my shit together I'm I'm, you know I've gone through my manic episode and I've come out the other side and so now that as you can see you can see when I'm in the depths of hell because you can see by years of actual timeline that you can see on Twitter and you can see what was happening around those timelines was to do with you guys and the things that you were doing, and so I kind of was hoping that they would give me a bit of a okay, you screwed up, but we ha- we take some responsibility because we put you in a really crappy situation, um, and we weren't really there for you, um, and so you know take some time off, but then let's work together of how we can rebuild it. And I was like, yeah, that that's fair. Doing they want to do an independent investigation into it all and I was like great somebody can come in with fresh eyes and and hear my side and hear their side and then hopefully come to a conclusion that actually do you know what under the circumstances you know slap on the wrist let's move on with our lives and I left the meeting that was like lunchtime and then again at four (laughs) o'clock something about four (laughs) o'clock about four o'clock I get called from the press woman so, Nadia, um, the Sun, we just had a call from the Sun newspaper. They, one of the, we told the celebs on set that you'd been suspended and they told their agent and their agent sold the story to the Sun newspaper. So, the Sun newspaper are going to run the story that you've been suspended and we're going to comment on that story. And I was like, hang on a second, I don't even know the details of this suspension. Like, you haven't told me this. I'm finding out this through the sun. That in itself, I was like, that's unbelievable. The fact that you guys, I'm I'm finding out this punishment th- from this conversation, and I'm going to read the details of it in the Sun newspaper. Like that's unacceptable. You, there is no. Why are you telling people on set before you've told me? And then the second thing was like, and you want to comment? You've never commented on anything before. Any scandal that's ever come out, you've never commented on. We've had, you know, episodes that have gone off air. you have had people being accused of all sorts of stuff. No comment ever. In the history of the show, you've never, ever, it's always been refused comment. But you want to comment on this? Like, that... That's confirming that... How am I going to get an independent investigation into what's happened when you've made your position clear because you're commenting on it in the press. And then the next day, I get another message from The Sun being like, we're going to post tweets about you. And the headline is, you got sacked for trolling. And then I called them again and had a conversation and they were like, don't say anything.
0: So you couldn't comment.
1: So I wasn't allowed to comment. And they were like, and I was like, so I'm not even allowed a right to reply. I said, you know, it's not true you know these things aren't true, don't comment. Do not comment. Do not say anything.
0: Why do you think that they wouldn't want you to comment? But And also, why do you think that they chose that as an opportunity to comment?
1: Honestly, I really don't know. I, I honestly... I've, I, it's a question that I've asked myself for years because I don't know. You know, you think to yourself, do they want to get rid of me? Maybe. Um... But just this was the easiest way to do it, perhaps, you know, like kind of seamless. They could sort of get rid of me without actually having to get rid of me. Um, But then I think to myself, I don't know, I I think I did a pretty good job. So, you know, and and maybe that's a bit big headed, but I was like, it can't be that, surely, because I feel like I did a good job and and I contributed well to the show. I think a lot
0: of people would say that you were instrumental to that show. You yeah, know, the, I think especially I especially starting it. Yeah. You were there from the beginning.
1: Yeah, and so that's what I mean. It's like I I honestly I'm not sure. But what one thing that did happen which changed everything is in I think after series 2 the top level management left and they brought a whole new team in.
0: Right. And, is that because it had gotten popular? They were like, oh, "Okay, this show might be a hit. We'll get
1: No, the and, guy that created it just was like, "I can't. I can't work under these conditions anymore." And, and He was just, I think he was, he didn't go into detail, but he was just like, this is not, I think he was giving up creative control maybe or something, he just was like, I'm out. I can't do it. And so he left and he was like my biggest cheerleader, I think, of everybody. And then, so he left and then a whole new team came in. And so the whole new team that came in didn't have any idea of like any backstory. They didn't know us. And so it was a lot, I definitely felt, unsupported because they didn't have any clue about any of the struggles that I'd been through and the troubles that we had on set and like the disconnect between us and the things that were going on and so I then felt like I couldn't trust them because they were being very equal and and you know and I felt like I, you know so we'd come in and if we'd get notes so they'd come in and be like okay that scene was good but the next scene's coming up with tough. You know, she's going to cry. So whatever you do, just like shut up and let her cry because she's feeling really emotional. And so we'd come in and they'd come in and then we'd cry and we'd come back and be like, okay, guys, you didn't let her cry. And I'd be like, I did. I didn't say a word that whole scene." They'd be like, I know, but we, 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 you know, we've got notes, but we just, we have to make it, you know, we have to tell everybody, including Tom and Enid and everybody. We have to say to everybody. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. Because I've done what you asked me to do, and so it was it was really petty, and that but that's, as you can see from that example, it's so petty. now, wouldn't care. you know, who cares? Let like, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter, but at the time, you're so into it, you're so sleep deprived, you're so exhausted, that the smallest things, the pettiest things, I was like, "Oh, I'm being segregated or being included when I'm being told off when I shouldn't be told off. And so it just created in me this kind of monster of like bashing heads with the bosses. Mm. And so perhaps, yeah, perhaps they were just like, she's too difficult. Get rid of her, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I just, I wish it could have been different because I feel like if we could have, if they had, if the story hadn't have broke, it, eventually it would have done. I mean, that's but you could
0: have gone out on different terms or something like that.
1: I don't think I would have gone out. I no. think I could have sat. I think I could have sat them down, and we could have actually. If an independent person had come in and looked at, mm-hmm. investigated the whole situation, it wouldn't have turned out how it would. Definitely wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. It would have been very. I'd still be there, but if I was still there, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have so my so, son. Yeah. And life would be so different. Like I actually didn't like myself very nu- uh, very much when I was on that show and it's taken me five years, th- three years of intensive counselling and therapy. I've had to have really intensive like weekly therapy for three solid years. My um, therapist diagnosed me with PTSD, the whole thing. I still get triggered every now and then have like panic attacks and crying attacks and get short of breath if things trigger me or I talk about certain things and I'm like, oh, um, and yeah, to get out the other side. And now I feel like my life was on like a train track and I was choo-chooing along and I was headed for disaster. And I was going on a, on a line that I wasn't supposed to be on. And so the universe derailed my train and literally changed me my whole course of my life onto a different Mm -hmm. timeline, onto a different circuit, onto a different train track. And I have to be thankful. I'm so happy. I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with myself. I go to sleep at night and I'm like, okay, I'm you know, I'm I'm a good person. I'm not I hated myself. People would walk into a room and I'd be like, everyone hates you. Like the intrusive thoughts were just overwhelming all the time. And I was very angry, I was angry at the world, I was angry at myself, I was angry at Celebs Good 80, I was angry at Tom, Eden, the the, the cast, the celebs, everyone, so angry.
0: <laughs> and you had the opportunity, like you said, you've seen the council quite a bit, but you had the opportunity to kind of exert that in a different way. Yeah. And it's, and do you feel like a lot of it's left your system now and you're in a better place?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Like, shredded not even butterfly, like, literally, like, yeah. dead. That person's completely dead. And I do, you know, she she can pop up if I'm super tired or depleted or if I'm, like, during my period, then I definitely i am like... Argh! But in general, yeah, I mean, it's... When you hit robot, and this is why I'm, I'm so annoyed at Caroline Flack, because I'm like, if you had just stayed, it gets so good. Like, once you come back from... The hell life gets so good like the universe rewards you for staying around it just does life gets i could never imagine how good life could be now like it is fantastic i wouldn't swap every single penny in the universe for what i have now i wouldn't it's wonderful and if you can just stick around just stay just another day get through it you get rewarded massively on the other side, and I think most people that have contemplated suicide and then stayed will have the similar similar story. They'll always say, you know, wherever many years it takes, they look back and they're like, life is so good now. I'm so pleased. Like nobody doesn't commit suicide and then regrets it. <laughs> like, oh damn, I wish I'd I, wish I'd they, gone I through.
0: I um that they interviewed people that jump off is it the golden bridge yeah and they interviewed survivors of that so people that had in, tried to commit suicide and all of them who didn't know each other had said the same thing as soon as they would left the bridge they realised it was a mistake
1: absolutely and I think as for me and I can't speak for everybody obviously but this was my experience I didn't want to die I just wanted the feelings to stop the pain in my soul like i I had actual physical pain in my cellular levels. I couldn't every and you talk about couldn't see the light, so true. Everything feels dark. Everything feels heavy. You can't see, I could never have imagined the future, a week, a month, a year. You can't ever imagine your life being different to how it is right now. And we talk about seasons. You don't have the mental capability to be able to imagine a better life for yourself. So you're just in this sludge, in this horrible, disgusting, heavy, depressed, but anxious. You're like sad, down, feeling awful, but you're also like highly strung and can't, can't function. Don't want to get out of bed. But at the same time, if you don't get out of bed, you're going to go stir crazy. And it's this horrible, you genuinely think your family are better off without you. You genuinely believe that, because you're a burden, cause you're doom and gloom, cause you're a pain in the backside. Like you genuinely like their lives will be better not having me in it. And so people say it's selfish and and things like that and, and but when you're in it, the brain is so heavy and so full of horrible, nasty thoughts. That you don't have the capacity to be able to have any empathy, and I now looking back, I think to myself two things that got me through it. One, every single time that I felt like this is it, I'm just I'm just going to do it. I think it, the time has come. I've had enough. I can't go on anymore. I would take myself to bed, and I'd go to sleep, and I'd be like, if you still feel the same thing, in, if you still feel the same in the morning, then we can talk about it. This is me talking to myself. If you still feel like this in the morning, we can talk more about it. And every single morning I woke up and I was like, yeah, no, I'm okay. And then it got to the evening and I'd be like, oh, I'm ready. I'd go to sleep. I'd go to bed. And I'd watch comedies or, like, action movies. Nothing teary. Like, no Disney. Like, if Mufasa had died when I was in that state, I wouldn't have made it. So, like, I just had to watch Very Happy. Even though I wasn't happy, I needed, like, friends. But then as soon as like the sad bit of friends would come on, get rid. So very light-hearted stuff. I remember one of my turning points and one of my light bulb moments was watching Kill Bill. And Uma Thurman was she was with the samurai guy. Mm-hmm. And she was doing the um in the she was like broken and she was trying to eat the rice with the chopsticks and she she was starving and her hand was shaking. And she picked up the rice with her hand and started, she was so hungry and he whipped her hand and he literally beat the crap out of her because she had to use chopsticks. And she was in the corner and she was just shriveled and crying. And that was my light bulb moment of like, you can, she, I knew she wasn't going to die because I'd seen the film, spoiler alert, sorry. (laughs) And I was like, she's going through this, but she's going to come out the other side and she's going to be okay. And that's where I am. I'm her right now, starving, broken, depleted. But like her, I can come out the other mm. side.
0: It's really, I think a lot of people will find it really inspiring listening to what you're saying, especially if they're going mm. through similar circumstances. And obviously, it's great to hear that you've got through it and you, you, yeah. you've been through yes. the tough times. And, um, and and like you said you can appreciate each mm-hmm. moment now where does that leave you in terms of like moving forward where you see future projects based on where you've come from and what you've been through where do you stand now in terms of like what's coming up what you're currently up to
1: um well i'd love to do more telly uh, have I've you fr- got
0: have you got like a tv agent or are you mm-hmm. doing it independently at the moment
1: yeah i kind of i'm I'm in between agents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really difficult because TV is still a very close-knit community. And kind of once you're out, you're really out. And so to get back in again, it's it's going to take some time. Like Even I, when I spoke to Channel 4 last year, they were like, look, dating is not on our roster for the next six months at least. All the dating shows we're doing are flopping. Like no, none of them are getting commission. Like there's just not. Even if you've got the best idea in the world, we're not even going to entertain it. So for at least six months. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> so, I'd love to do more TV. Um, I th- I still think there is room for a good dating show that is fun. Yeah. Um, I still think I don't think dating shows are dead.
0: No, they're, they're always going to be popular. Yeah, always. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'd like to do I'd like to do more dating, but then in terms of what I'm doing, is I'm moving into creating a women-only safety app, where the kind of the tagline is helping, making sorry, making sure women always get home safely, because I think that too many women now don't. Uh, You go for a night out with your friends, you go out on a date, and there is a possibility that you won't come home. Or if you do, you'll have been traumatised for life because on the way home you'd have been sexually assaulted, harassed, even catcalled, followed, stalked, murdered. Um, And it's no-one's doing anything about it. The government are dragging their feet. They say it's a priority for them. I don't see any changes being made to help women feel safer. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I spoke to some app guys and they were like, well, what would make you feel safe? And I said, well, X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's all doable. Like, none of that's new technology. Yeah. Like, everything. Really good idea. Everything really good you idea. need is available. And I'm like, well, let's do it then. Like, what are, why, If it's if it's easy, quote mm. unquote, let's do it. And they were like, okay. And I'm like, okay. So moving into that and i know you know once we launch we're hoping to launch um around (coughs) july time so i know i'm gonna get a lot of backlash from the oh we women want equality but then it's women only but But i
0: feel like your stance on that is i mean we spoke about it earlier in the podcast i think you're pretty balanced it's really hard to please everyone with that conversational topic but at the end of the day the products that you're creating is going to be beneficial to a lot of people so that that's the main thing.
1: I hope so yeah and ultimately you know in five years time is there an option that it can be for everyone? Yeah but right now not everyone like you know Sarah Everard's family don't have her anymore Sabina Nessa, Zara Alina and the next It's it's only a matter of time before the next woman is on the front page of the paper because she's been abducted or murdered or raped or whatever. I mean, it's just, it literally is a matter of time. And I just don't think anyone's doing anything Mm. really constructive. Long term plans, you know, the, the police and the government talk about long term plans. Great. But this app should hopefully help women right now.
0: That's a great idea. Really, really nice idea. So. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, <laughs> look, hoping. <laughs> Literally, we're
1: we're in in the th- I'm in the thick of it.
0: My girlfriend is also working on an app. It's not not the same thing, but um, it's just to do with women. Mm. And um, she's got a little advantage in the sense that she uh, she works in IT, mm-hmm. so she kind of knows like similar to you knows people that are because I think it's really hard. Like I, oh. I've had app ideas in the past, and I'm like, where do I start? Especially as not like an IT guy.
1: Unless, I mean, if, and if you've got a hundred grand in the bank. Yeah. Easy.
0: Pace, you just pay someone to, to yeah. fix it. yeah.
1: But who's got a hundred grand? Yeah. Like, it's so expensive.
0: Yeah. But well, I wish you the best of luck with it. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be great. I look forward to it. I'm going to put my, my girlfriend onto it. Because I'm always like, every, every time she's out, gosh, she, she's very independent where she likes to. And, and rightfully so. As a woman, you should want to be able to walk anywhere you want. Like, you shouldn't have to be thinking about these kind of things.
1: The um, only other way to do it is put a curfew on men. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. So let's, do you know what I mean? Like, let's... let's. Well,
0: I, I mean, some places get it right. I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages to different countries. And mm. some places, the advantage is women don't worry about that. Yeah. London isn't one of those places. No. Um, in fact, it's probably near the top. And of...
1: it's the same with dating. You know, a man, man's... They said... You know, on, on dating, a man's biggest fear on dating is that the woman walks in and she's bigger than her profile picture. Yeah. And a woman's biggest fear is that he's a murderer.
0: Yeah. And there's a big difference between the two. You know, the, yeah. the
1: fact that men are just worried about if she's fat. Yeah. But we're genuinely worried that we were going to die. Yeah. You know, that shows you that the disparity of of what's going on here is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just need to level it a bit. Like.
0: I think you get a lot of supporters from obviously from people that would want to use the app but maybe it's worth looking into some kind of kickstarter situation cuz i think there'd be a lot of girls in particular that would think oh that's a great idea
1: yeah i mean lots of com- i've had so many companies be like yeah it's great but you ask them to
0: put the money where the mouth yeah. is yeah
1: impossible yeah. really 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 difficult to get it signed off and actually have money every single company i've spoken to of course have gone fantastic we love it oh but you want money ah uh. mhm ah uh. Oh, um, that's going to be an issue. And I'm like, really? Is it like putting money behind something that's going to help keep your female staff members safe? Is it really? Okay, that shows me. A, that tells me a lot. Um, yeah. Again, people like to tick boxes. They don't. It's easy to just go, oh yeah, great, we're doing something. Mm-hmm. But you ask them for money, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah. I look forward in, to it. Yeah, I look yeah, forward to seeing launch this year, and then. A big success. I mean, I'm hoping no one uses it. <laughs> it's the first app. I think that I want. I don't want anyone to use it. I want everyone to download it, but no one to use the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just gonna. It's just gonna be something that if you're feeling a bit vulnerable, there's a 24-hour call center that you can literally press a button, come through to someone, speak to them, be safe. If you're in an emergency situation, we can, you know, get emergency services. Like, it will cover you from walking home and feeling a bit like oh to full-blown if you're being harassed. I,
0: just as a little side thing, but I wonder if there was a function where other girls on the app, for example, would be like, I'm walking home at this time, between this yeah. time. And then they could see that there were other girls in the area doing a similar walk. Yeah, And maybe they could just be like, would you mind walking together?
1: Yeah, and we're gonna have like a, yeah, the back page is like an Uber map function yeah. with like avatars. So you can have chats with other people. And then also we'd like to encourage men to maybe be like guardians. And so we'll have them, we'll have safe spaces, so we'll have venues that are classed as safe spaces. Mm, so,
0: so you can just walk into. So you can walk yeah. in. Yeah. have Our to buy anything
1: been... to use the toilet. Yeah. You know, like you can, you, they'll know that it, you mm-hmm. can come in. It's good, and then yeah. men can be guardians that if you are walking home and you, you know, you, you feel like you want a tr- ma- trusted man to come walk with you or just make sure you're safe, then they can do that too. Mm-hmm. So getting people, commun- again, community. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so many places that you go into I remember when I was pregnant asking to use the toilet you've got to buy something I'm that's like, terrible away. isn't it yeah
0: <laughs> especially for girls I think I mean like if a girl's on her period and needs yeah. to use the bathroom
1: we need to use the bathroom yeah
0: it's it's you know, not okay to no. be like it's like you go to a gas but you're filling up with petrol I've had to come in because that Olivia's been told you can't use the bathroom yeah. I've had to come in and be like she's, she's using the bathroom. the bathroom
1: yeah exactly um, and this is it and it's changing the the mindset of companies and having safe spaces yeah. when people come in.
0: Because well, they're, they're, they're on a, you can't do, you can't let people use the bathroom. And that's his job. Fair enough to the guy is like, mm. he doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't understand yeah. the bigger picture. Yeah. He's got a hundred tasks to do exactly. and one of them is don't let people use the toilet. exactly um, It's about the bigger people up Absolutely. near the top getting that to trickle down to the yeah. staff.
1: because ultimately, you know, if you're getting, sometimes like, you know, if you're getting paid minimum wage, why are you arguing about it? Just let me use the loo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like, come on.
0: God, I remember, like, I, when I used to work on, like, the bars and stuff, yeah. the amount of times where I'd just be like, I, I'm not getting paid enough to, like, put up any kind yeah, of here. front here. Yeah. You, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And, you know, yeah, if, you know, if someone's coming in, you, know, you see they want to solicit business or use drugs or something. It's different. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between, like, a pregnant woman saying, please can I use the toilet? And, you know, a homeless guy being like, you know, I'm coming in and this girl's coming with me. Yeah. yeah. or, you know what I mean? It's just, again, it's just... A bit of common sense. A bit of common yeah. sense. So, yeah, just having, like, safety hubs that if you're in West London, you know that if you're feeling a certain type of way, this coffee mm-hmm. shop's open 24 hours, you can go in, you don't have to buy anything. Great for business as well.
0: To be seen to be... You know, a lot of businesses like to tick these boxes, but, you know, that's a great box to tick. If they can yeah. say, we are a, a safe place for, for girls to come in, exactly. use the bathroom.
1: Yeah, and just hang out you know if, so, mm. if you think someone's following you sometimes you just want to go into a shop to see if they follow you into the shop and then if not they'll walk past mm-hmm. and then you, know, you just want to spend a couple of minutes give them a chance to go and then you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of safeguarding women have to do to get home mm-hmm. massive things we have to think about and yeah having a sort of place you can pop into and not be like well you need you know you need to buy something mm-hmm. um is is to me is bonkers like just let people chill.
0: Agreed. Well, so you got that coming up, yeah. And then any other any other projects or um, ambitions coming through? I mean, you've covered quite.
1: Yeah, I think those are the
0: main it, things, yeah.
1: really. Um, I am currently in the process of trying to organise the first dating awards. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah? So that that's also um, again hopefully in July is is the plan of action. Um, just a bit of fun. Yeah, I think dating needs to be celebrated. I think that, you know, people people think that being single is a negative and I think that's bonkers. Um, I think you can be perfectly happily single and perfectly happily in a relationship and you can be equally unhappy in both. So I think, yeah, you know, we need to celebrate. It's It's an unregulated industry as well. So I think if we have like a central hub hopefully encouraging companies to be conscious about you know the fact that the tinder swindler was allowed on tinder the next day you know let's let's kind of celebrate the companies that are doing it well um and underpinning again the safety behind dating mm-hmm. but then having fun and eating and drinking and being merry
0: yeah oh wonderful <laughs> i feel like we have really bonded today yeah. and um, we clearly get on it's clearly very easy to talk to we've been chatting for like
1: <laughs> Two and a half hours.
0: um, (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Uh, Where can everybody find you in terms of like online and (sighs) where's the best place to get, follow your journey?
1: It's pretty much socials, yeah. Yeah. At Lady Nardia Essex is across the board. So yeah, most things are on my my socials. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Should we call it a day? Yeah. That's a good place to end. Thank thank you very much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. (laughs)